0: The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. Welcome to the TNF Hotline on the Napsock Files. Your calls, your voice, your thoughts, and your host, Ken Napsock. Thank you, Matty D. So happy to be here for another edition the 13th of TNF Hotline. This is where you call me. If you're a Patreon supporter, you get access to the TNF Hotline, Google Voice message number, and the Discord server, a submissions channel, where you can leave an audio clip for me to put into the show. Just something we love doing. I love hearing from you guys, because you guys get me thinking about other things that I normally wouldn't talk about. So it's like a free forum and a town hall meeting. All together. Some housekeeping. The Patreon page has changed from patreon.com slash the Knapsack Files. Forget that one. Shouldn't even say it. Now you can go to patreon.com slash canknapsack and support everything I do. The entire empire is all there. Some new things on there. New rewards like uh, exclusive monthly writings and essays and stories. The KSOC Radio playlist is going strong all those kind of things, consider checking it out. Also, don't forget that Knapsack Files is transitioning over to the Anchor podcasting hosting site and app. If you're familiar with my old show, Daily Thrones, that's now called Casterly Talk. That was on Anchor. A little bit different now, long-form podcast, but you can get the app, and it's very interactive on your phone. You can support the podcast directly from there and uh, favorite it and interact, leave comments, and uh, then uh, it's going to be found on all the other places that you already love it. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, that's all that. So that is in the process of happening. So you shouldn't feel too affected by it. But just in case you, uh, there's some kind of interruption or a different link or something, that is what is going on. All right, the TNF hotline is here. We got a hodgepodge, a wonderful hodgepodge of questions, myriad questions to choose from. And, I, I you know, sometimes I put them in order, but nah, just... I'm just going to go. I'm just going to press play on these things here and figure out what we got from you guys out there for me to talk about, me to answer. Like I said, some of them are just thought starters, things like that. But, all right. Uh, why, am I, why am I blabbing? Uh, let's get to the show. Let's get to the point. Here's the first call coming in. Hello, Ken. This is Andy in Dallas. Uh, the Grammys were televised uh, not too long ago. Um Christian Harloff on Collider Live posed the question, is rock music dead? Obviously, he doesn't listen to your uh, K-Lock playlist, even though he has Spotify. We should should work on that. But I will pose the question to you with your DJ history and your fan of the genre. Is rock music dead? Thank you and have a good day. Thank you, Andy, for that one. And, uh, yeah, Christian friend Brendan Powell over the movie Travish Mowdown, he hosts that show, Collider Live, on uh, the Collider YouTube channel. You can catch it every day, Monday through Friday. And I guess they had some conversation recently. Now, Andy mentioned the the Grammys. Uh, the Oscars are also in our rearview mirror. I take these calls all through the month. So, uh, you know, I, sometimes they might make references a couple weeks old. That's that. Um, is rock and roll dead? Yes. Yes, it is. Well... The answer's not that simple. Rock and roll's been dead before. Rock and roll will always live on, be it dead or alive. We we have it, uh, and it's still rock and roll to me. All right, I'm going to stop quoting songs. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you get all the best scientists on it, I guess, if you want to figure out when rock died. I do believe back during my golden era, my favorite era, the 90s, the mid-90s rock and roll scene, when I was a DJ at KBR 95, California, Uh, Rock California's Rock and Roll Bear up there, KWBR. Um, Rock rock might have died then. I read an article not too long ago, Hmm, about a year ago, uh, about 1996 kind of being the final year of rock and roll as we knew it, and it changed forever going forward. And I I do agree with that in theory. Uh, Again, things are going to change. Big bands come after. Artists come after. And the concept of rock and roll, a rock and roll combo, if I sound like a 1950s school principal, I think that will always be. But right now you don't see the tastes of the youths, if I can say that, with a lot of S's. The youths out there, I don't think the main interest musically, it doesn't seem to be going to bands as much, but this is where I start to feel out of touch. And it isn't just that I don't know the artists that are appearing on Saturday Live, and, you know, to be honest, right now, I don't. I learned them there. I try to keep up on it. I don't want to be out. I know what a Cardi B is, said the grandfather, you know? Um, But it doesn't seem like, in general, this is very much in general, that the younger generations, and I don't know, I'm not 30 or below... 29, 25 below. I don't know. You, you figure that out, you, 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 scientists and professors out there. Um, it just, it just seems in general their interests aren't to the classic rock and roll combos. Those aren't the artists that are breaking through on a big level. So you still got bands that people love. I don't know. I'm gonna throw out you know Kings of Leon, Dawes, some bands that I love that are relatively newer that came to prominence. Within the last ten years, but they're not—they're not grabbing the pop culture zeitgeist like bands used to. Say, like a band, Coldplay. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you like them or not. This isn't a Coldplay discussion. But when they hit, Yellow hits big, and then the next album comes out, which um, you know has uh, In My Place is one of my favorite radio songs. There, um, they hit big. Everyone knew who Coldplay was. They were everywhere. I don't know if we get that on the rock and roll side. We get it more on the individual artist side, uh, groups, uh, music groups versus music bands, and, and that kind of stuff. That's more, it's the personalities. And I'm not just saying it in like a disparaging way that it's, ah, it's just personalities and fluff. And it, no, no, That you can just tell that's, that's where everyone is going. Uh, Rap, hip-hop, R&B, that kind of stuff uh, is more probably just female vocalists uh, who are more, um, you know, definitely multi-talented. I look at Lady Gaga. Uh, You know, I wouldn't call her rock and roll, but there's a lot about her that certainly is. She's a rock star in some ways, especially when she first hit hit on the scene and she's shown up on red carpets in dresses made of meat and all these things. It's like, all right, this reminds me of Bjork. Here we go. Uh, You know, early Madonna. I get it. I get it. Um... But then, you know, I wouldn't exactly classify her as rock music. You're not going to find her in that section of the CD store. Oh, that's other things. CDs are gone for the most part. They're not, but in theory, all that's going away. And I think that is where I go to 1996, 97. And it it, it didn't change overnight on a dime. Well, that is kind of the last... Era the mid '90s rock and roll era where it was you could look all around you and rock was just exploding with big names, big bands, and then you know the 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 bands that would copycat or second or third generation type of bands that weren't as good as the originals but still had the big hits, and it started to fade out and and it it never has been quite the same for rock and or roll. Uh, I hope it comes back. I don't know if it's dead. Uh, forever, one of the reasons that makes me think it could be, and we'll never get it back the way we were, uh, or the way we did enjoy it, I should say, the, and the way we were before, is, is how we take in our music. I think rock very much is about the full experience of the album and the music and the tour and the promotions and singles and b-sides and all that kind of stuff. That's part of the appeal. I may be wrong, but it seems like everyone who is a rock music fan and that, that might and that's different kind of styles of what rock music is. You could be a quieter singer-songwriter, you could be a kind of a punky, you know, new wave band, you could be a heavy metal uh, late 80s uh, glam rock. It doesn't matter. It's all kind of the same thing to me where it flows into you love a band, you're there for the band, you're there for them and their music and their journey and their message and their purpose. You get the tour shorts, you get the B-sides, you get the rare tracks, you get all those kind of things. And I'm not saying that that's not part of the other other um, you know, music genres and what's popular now. I'm not. It just seems like that's what fueled rock and roll more than anything. The spirit of rock and roll is always going to live. And, and that is where the spirit is. To go to my Lady Gaga example, she has the spirit of rock and roll in everything she has done and will do, without a doubt. Um, that's, that's part of it. You know, is, is Madonna rock and roll? Not really. Uh, you know, maybe a couple licks here and there, but you know, you no doubt the spirit of rock and roll always was in Madonna, especially giggity, uh, especially because, what she was in, when she was coming up in the early 80s she was coming from the music scene in New York she was she was hitting big she wasn't just some manufactured pop star you know it started to become that but i don't think she was ever manufactured she was always in charge of what she was doing and and a powerful presence so the spirit of rock and roll was in the work that she was doing and in her personality and all that kind of stuff and i look at that that spirit it goes on but rock and roll as we knew it i i i think it it really did forever change when the format started to change when you started to go more digital and the album i was writing in 2002 or 3 for tinymixtapes.com i was writing articles titled uh, is uh, the death of the album and the album's forever changed you know there's still big bands out there from that era uh, the u2s and the radioheads and that kind of uh, that kind of thing but um, they're not they're they're not niche. They're not niche. They're not niche. But it'd be even like something like you two, uh, who you know, still one of my favorite bands of all time. Have they had a lot of uh, great albums in the last couple of years? No. Do they need to? No. They could stop recording music tomorrow and they're one of the greatest bands of all time. But there seems to be a pushback. They put out a free album. I get it. If you didn't like you two, what the hell is this free album doing on my on my uh, iPhone? I get it. It was weird, um, but the, the, that was like like you got a free album. My whole half of my CD collection is made up of free albums I got from my radio days because it was like, oh, cool! I'll find maybe I'll find a track on here I like. It wasn't all about the singles, and instead there was this pushback, and they were passe, and they, and no one was behind it. And, and that's that to me is a good example of it, rock and roll is not viewed the same way as it once was, and I think the late nineties early 2000s, it started to slowly change then, but how we take in our music. It was no longer about, and definitely by the mid-2000s, no longer about, I'm gonna go get the new album. I'm gonna download that single. So, alright, Kings of Leon, Sex on, Sex on Fire, you uh, know, uh, shows up. Yeah, that's great. That's a that's a big single. Um, And that might be where you stopped. It'd be a shame. It's a great album, but I think you just... Purchase a single, download a single, and a little bit of patience. You have to get through albums. I mean, who doesn't love, you know, if you're a rock fan, putting on an album, put it, whether it be an LP, CD, cassette, hell, I don't care, and going through track by track with your favorite band. I think there's still an art to the album. I was talking to our friend Van William the other day. He's working on some new music, hoping uh, to have a, a follow-up to his great album, Countries, um, which was released last year. And, you know, rock music is r- very much alive on his stuff. Um, but you know, he's not, he's not singing and dancing. He's just singing up there. So it's, it's not going to be as, as big as other stuff, th- as other things. Um, but he's putting together some new music and hoping it's, it's an album. And, and it's like, it's an art to it. It's an art to it. And, and I don't know if a lot of people, have the patience for albums. I'm speaking in general terms. You're, gonna, you're listening, you're probably, even if you're young, you could be 22 and listen right now and be like, no, absolutely, gosh, I got Led Zeppelin playing on, and God bless you, I want you around in my life. Um, the Beatles, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge Beatles nut, as you guys know, and I heard some stuff recently, you know, ah, Beatles are overrated. What? It's not about you liking the Beatles. It's about you understanding their place in rock and roll history. What they did and what they created, and almost everything you know in music—not just rock music—in music and how to be a pop star and how to be a larger-than-life celebrity. A lot of the template was created by or around what the Beatles were and what they did. So I just—it's a weird thing, and maybe that's a generational thing. And every generation looks before them and goes, "Ah, oh, our generation is better." I got no problem with that because that's also the spirit of rock and roll, right? That's what they looked around. Yeah, all these people crooning. Yeah, we're gonna grab this little uh, guitar, gonna take some skiffle music and add uh, uh, some beats to it, and we got rock and roll. All right, take some blues, add uh, add some beats, and uh, we're we got this whole new thing. Uh, that's the spirit of rock and roll. Uh, so, is rock dead? There's no official answer because we never never know. Could be a big album returning. Uh, some new big band could return uh, the glory of rock and roll. We'll see. We'll see. I hope so. But Andy Dallas, thank you. Great question. Love that one. Hey Ken, this is Tim Moore from New York. I know you're a big fan of Game of Thrones, hence the show Cassidy Talk. I too have become a huge fan and I've been catching up so I can start listening to a Game of Thrones podcast. Keeping it spoiler free, what are some general reasons that made you love the show so much and why? For me, because it's such a character-driven show, I love different characters from the main houses because of how I can connect with them, relate things that have happened in my life to them, the music, the fantasy, and everything in between. Thank you for taking my question, and happy Valentine's Day. All right, I I left that in. I could have edited that out. I I heard it before the show, and I was like, oh, I should probably take out the reference to Valentine's Day because Taymor uh, from New York sent that call in uh, before Valentine's Day. And I was like, no, you know what? Let's leave it in. Number one, you know, uh, you know, he 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 sent that call in. I want all of his words to make the air. But also, hey, what's wrong with pausing and just saying Happy Valentine's Day and paying a little uh, homage to love? That's not a bad thing in this world. Taymor's talking about Game of Thrones and mentions my podcast Casterly Talk with his, uh, which is uh, with Lon Harris, Rachel uh, Cushing, uh, Ace Andres Cabrera, and other guests. Uh, kind of a rotating panel. Sometimes it's just me, and you can find that over on the Anchor app and a lot of other places. Find podcasts or podcasts. Casterly Talk is uh, my, uh, you know, getting my Game of Thrones obsession out there for you all to enjoy. And I like Tamor's question as season eight of Game of Thrones approaches. Uh, Wow, what are we, six weeks? Oh, I got a lot of watching to do. Uh, At the time of this recording, I'm not even through season two of my uh, Game of Thrones we watch, But we're going through that over there on uh, Casterly Talk. And what got me into Game of Thrones? Great question. Great question. Uh, as you all know, I'm a big Star Wars fan, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going for other sci-fi fantasy. I am a Lord of the Rings movies fan, but doesn't mean I'm dropping into other uh, movies and, and books and series. In fact, Game of Thrones, the book, the series, A Song of Ice and Fire, began with the book game of thrones in 1996 i was uh, back in the i was enjoying rock and roll music back then i didn't dive into it i just did not dive into it and i'm a am uh, a you know i like to read I'm trying, um, here i like read good um so uh it's it's been a long weekend as i'm trying to record this show I, I like I like reading the books, pictures or otherwise. And you would think, all right, it'd be easy transition for me to slide over to liking Game of Thrones a Song of Ice and Fire, and then loving the series. I didn't. The series got me, and it did pull me in initially. As all right, all right, I like Lord of the Rings, and uh, this kind of looks like it. It's on HBO. Uh, they seem pretty good. Let me give it a shot. I was hooked within the first thirty seconds. Went in, went in relatively. Blind, in the sense of I did not know anything. I think Entertainment Weekly put out some pictures of, hey, here's the cast of the of the Game of Thrones show, and I was like, oh, cool, uh, General Veers is in it, nice, Boromir's in it, Lena Hetty. oh, she was on the, the the Terminator show, she seems pretty cool, oh, the the the, the little guy from uh, who appears an elf, uh, all right, this is we got it, I'll I wasn't even worried about it. Some weird dude in suspenders wrote the books. And then I just, ha- I'll I tell you what, it's weird. I just, I knew this, I knew it was showing up whatever week it was in, in April of, gosh, what was it, 2011? Wow, what an investment in the show. And there was just some kind of uh, sense came over me of like, let me, uh, let me give this show a try. It's a Sunday night. I'm sitting here, you know, I think I think I probably had to go to work in the morning. Let me just relax and I'll give this, Knights and Dragons show, uh, give it a shot. Because also, I'm like, I'm not a huge Dungeons and Dragons player. I don't I don't go for a lot of that stuff. And thirty first, thirty seconds. If you haven't seen it, maybe now's a chance to pause and go see it. If if you you got time, you got time to get through the series. And I know some of my listeners over on the uh, Patreon page and the Discord server attached to my Patreon page. Uh, they've been they've been going through re re-watches and also trying some some of them like uh, Moore who's just called in uh, our friend DJ Snacks are watching it for the first time, kind of like all right enough's enough I've heard you talk about this Ken I want to get into it and they're racing through it too trying to get done so I I'd be curious what what pulled them in and what kept them there for me first thirty seconds the these the, you're up in the, the the snowy wilderness you don't know much there's a giant wall. A gate opens and three night looking characters, one who looks exactly like a young Matt Damon comes comes walking out into the snow. And they they're tense, but you know, and I just I just remember I'm laying in bed watching this in my old apartment. And I'm like, all right, pretty epic looking. This is TV? You know, TV was still changing then, right? And it gets chilling, scary frightening within seconds right slain bodies everywhere some kind of mystery the mo- the bodies disappear there's all of a sudden little zombie girl with blue eyes and what we know now is the others or the white walkers appear and we got our first beheading <laughs> and and it goes to boom, the smash to the the opening credits. Uh, Rahman Jawadi's great work. Everyone knows that now, right? One of the greatest themes of all time. I didn't hear it the first time. I I just remember sitting there, mouth agape, going, "What did I just see?" I thought I was getting like, you know, Lord of the Rings. Uh, you know, I I would never call it frightening, but you get some. There's some chill-inducing moments, right? Some, a lot of it with the With the Nazgul chasing down the Hobbits and everything. I was, and I'm easily scared, I admit that. But what it did for me is brought me into this world. And what I thought all right, we got some knights or some knight like people doing some kind of duty. They got to save something, they're protecting something. I can get behind this, there's lands, there's walls, there's realms, but holy moly, we got ice zombies, we got a beheading, we got like a kid walking around who we saw dead two minutes ago, two seconds ago actually, and is now up walking around, and I just got pulled into the world there. The story plays out, the characters play out, the politics, the, the character work, all those kind of things kept me there. But I would be lying if I gave anything else too much credit other than the first two minutes of the show, the cold open of season one, episode one. It just did such a wonderful job of pulling me And Other people might be a little different. It pulled me in. And then the ending of the pilot, uh, uh, what happens there, J.B. Cersei, Bran, everything, it's just like, oh, wow, okay. They're they're doing this, they're that. Uh, Again, not knowing the story at all, not being familiar with the books, uh, not knowing character names, and what's funny, I used to have two employees of mine. And long before the series was up and running, I think it was in production because I think I'd heard, I saw an HBO like teaser. It was like George R. R. Martin was on the set in Winterfell. Now I know, going, oh, it's it's pretty, uh, pretty good. They've made my show. I'm, Kermit is apparently George R. R. Martin in my world. Kermit meets George Lucas. And I, uh, I was, I saw it, but then started to become aware of it. That's when I was like, I give a shot. And then I had a couple employees of mine, day watch guys. I'd be in my office typing up something or payroll or something. I'd hear them talking about it. And I'd hear names. I'd hear things. And oh, I can't believe, do you think she's the one that killed him? She couldn't be the one that killed him. I was shocked. And Aria and Sansa and all these names and Tyrion and that. Nothing registered. Nothing registered until that first Cold open, and that's what pulled me in, and I think that's uh, why I love talking about it. I love talking about it a little bit different than Star Wars. I know a lot about Game of Thrones, Westeros, Essos, the world of Ice and fire, the, the histories. I love all that stuff. I don't know it as intimately as Star Wars. Star Wars has been with me my entire life. So I still enjoy Game of Thrones even more as a fan than I do Star Wars or any other property. That's why I love talking about it, but I talk about it in a different way, I think, than the way I talk about Star Wars. Star Wars, I come from a little bit more of a point of authority of going, hey, I've studied this all my life. I've written about it. I've talked about it. I've I've got this. Game of Thrones, I'm still unsure about a lot of things, even though I know a lot of things, which is why over in Casterly Talk, we love talking about Game of Thrones. Give that a listen. Find us. Uh, Rachel, Lon, and I got some more stuff coming soon, getting ready for Season 8. So, Tamor, thanks for that question. You let me ramble about Game of Thrones. Hi, Ken. Hi, TNS listeners. This is Kai. My question is, is there ever been an award or an accolade that you've received that you're particularly proud of whether it be big or small back at my former job I got employee of the month once and I felt very proud of it because I worked very hard at that job put a lot of effort in it and it felt good just to be recognized for a little bit so I was wondering if you had anything like that oh Kai Thank you. hey, you're welcome Kai. Uh, Kai asking about awards I didn't win much in my life uh, just win, living, I guess, every day. So, uh, I did win an employee of the month a couple times early on in my uh, public safety career. I think I even have photos of me holding the plaque, and it felt all right. It felt pretty good. Any kind of acknowledgement for something you do, even if you're not a hundred percent into what you're doing, it feels good. We want, to, we all want to succeed in some way, so I can get behind that. But I'll tell you what. Going back to 8th grade, which, by the way, I just saw that movie finally. Bo Burnham's 8th grade. Really did like it. Loved it. Fought about it on movie fights. Fought poorly because I was not prepared. But uh, I really liked it. Took me back to 8th grade. And 8th grade was a big year for me. 7th grade, I struggled. I mean, that 6th grade to 7th grade transition for me. I was in a school system where the school was, uh, where I went through, Margaret Harlow Elementary, was 1st through 6th grade. And then you go to uh, middle school, or actually at the time we called it Judkins Junior High, not a middle school, junior high. And uh, we, uh, we did seven and 8th, and then you go to high school, 10th. That was our setup. And I think that's for a lot of people. But I know some people had 6th, 7th, 8th, 7th, 8th, ninth, different ranks. 7th grade was pretty terrible for me, pretty frightening. I was just out of my element, trying to establish myself. Uh, social circles and who you are and what you are and and what I saw in the movie Eighth Grade uh, by Bill Burnham uh, was mostly my seventh grade year, but eighth grade, I was in drama. I was in the speech uh, on the speech team, and I was in seventh grade too. But I was more of a supporting character, you know. Uh, we used to do speech tournaments, one every semester. All the local middle schools from the region would go to the high school, my, what eventually would be my high school, Royal Grande High School, and we'd compete in speech tournaments. And seventh grade, I wasn't that good. I did original what was called, the category was called original prose and poetry, and I wrote original stories. The one, one of them was I was a baseball player. The second one, I can't for the life of me remember, the second semester one. And maybe I didn't even do that. Maybe I think maybe I started to adapt other works because that was another category—you like adapt comedy. But the first, I, the first speech I did, I wrote a story where I was a baseball player and I got to go to the go to Yankee Stadium and I hit a home run and I won a game, and that was my story. Oh God, I'm glad there's no audio or video of that story because I remember I remember performing it because you had to perform it for your class before you go to the tournament. I remember performing it and thinking, oh, this ain't good. This ain't good. And so I, I didn't even place a lot of my friends, uh, in seventh grade started to place and win awards or, oh, uh, and our team, we, we had the best speech tournament team in the region for years and years and years. Jud Judkins middle school did. Uh, Mike Lebo was our teacher and director and, uh, and his uh, wife, Cindy Cray, Lebo, uh, both years I was there too. Yeah. So she was there as well. Um, and man, uh, I, f- I remember feeling a little bit of a feeling of failure. I couldn't do what my other friends were doing, or I couldn't do what other. And I was like, "All right, I guess I'll just I'm just background character." Well, uh, I sprouted a couple inches. You know, go from like four eleven to five two in junior high. Uh, gained like ten pounds. I was like a hundred pounds. Uh, <laughs> coming in eighth grade, uh, I was one of the kind of the, the leaders of the drama department. That switch happens. Eighth graders graduate and go to high school. Seventh graders move up, and me and my friends did step up, and we kind of ran the roost, and uh, I felt like I belonged. I felt like I had a place. I felt like I had a future. So eighth grade for me, though, it's always a struggle, finding your way, uh, finding your way through crushes and classes, and you're, you know, trying to figure out a future. I, I felt I had a place I belonged, and this is what I could do. I could entertain, and I was uh, getting lead roles in the plays and doing great improvs and all those kind of things. Uh, and it was, towards the end of seventh grade, we did it, we, we closed out the school year with, uh, in our drama department with like a two-week improv. Just It's the end of the year. We've done our plays and speech tournaments. Let's all improv. And that's the first time I really got to do and learn improv. And that was the first time I was like, oh, I think I, I, think I can do this. So that kind of helped me going into eighth grade. Anyways, the point of this long, stupid story is I can't tell stories, which is why I didn't win an award in seventh grade. But in eighth grade, I did. I dominated the comedy category and took home, like, two first-place trophies, first semester, second semester. Don't want to brag. Where are those trophies now? I do not know. Probably somewhere in my parents' house or in the garage out there. Uh, And that was not only good, but it was the first time in my life, and maybe you guys out there listening can connect to this, where I did something poorly. Poorly. I did not succeed the first couple times I did this. And I felt felt it, number one, and felt bad about it and wondered if I could do better. But I wanted to do better. And then something kicked in. Confidence. You're always going to have nervousness. You're always going to have some sort of doubt, especially if you're in a creative industry. But it was that, ah, I think I got this. I think I've improved on what I previously did. And it worked and I felt proud, and it's really weird because I think we as, uh, as fragile human beings do not allow ourselves those moments to be proud of what we did and what we do. It's just something in us, just something in us. You don't have to be a full-blown, you know, sufferer of, of depression or those kind of, you know, medical conditions and chemical conditions. You don't, you don't have to, just human conditions. Where the uh, hustle and bustle, go, uh, we're trying to make it all work out, and then you do something good. You do something good. Be proud of it. I'm still to this day. I, I mean, some ways, maybe my career peaked. <laughs> maybe that eighth grade speech tournament win the second semester. Maybe that was the last big success I had. I don't know. I'm joking. I'm kidding. But I did it, and I felt proud. And so, Kai, to answer your question, I'm glad you felt proud about your award. I feel proud about mine. All right, next call. Hey, Ken. This is Miranda from Kelso, Washington. It's been like a year since I've called because I remember last time I called, I had found out that Edgar hadn't gotten in the Hall of Fame, and I was bummed. But this year, he did get in, and I'm so excited. So, yay for the designated hitter. My question for you, super random, um, what are the little things in life that just get you really excited? So for me, if I see an animal I can pet, I just get really excited. You're small, Joyce. Hope you're doing well. Have a great day. Thanks. Thanks, Miranda, from Kelso, Washington. By the way, uh, if you're listening to this uh, podcast roughly around the time I released it, in just about a week and a half, I will be in Seattle, Washington, performing comedy with Mark Ellis and Josh McCuga, Josh McCuga, and I will open up the Mark Ellis and Friends comedy show up there uh, in uh, in Seattle. We'll be there also for Emerald City Comic Con. Go to MarkEllisLive.com to get your tickets. First caller gets a free pair of tickets. I wish, I wish I could do that. But uh, that's a great question. I, for, I, thought, I thought Miranda was going to talk about Edgar Martinez getting to the Baseball Hall of Fame. It seems as though TNF Hotline is the only place I can consistently talk about Major League Baseball. But with the season coming back, uh, Major League Baseball is almost back here. We're, we're in spring training at the time of this recording. I'm going to probably, maybe I'll find a way to talk more about baseball because uh, I love baseball. My relationship with it goes very, very long. All my life, practically. And sometimes, you know, you don't spend, uh, you're not as intimate or spend as much time with your uh, beloved baseball, your beloved passions of sports. And the last couple of years, I haven't been watching as much or into it as much, and I'm excited about this coming season. So we might talk about it more. Edgar Martinez in the Hall of Fame. I like that those designated hitters are finally getting in the Hall of Fame. Like it or not, they're part of baseball it ain't hard or ain't easy to hit. So if you do it and that's your job as a designated hitter and you do it well enough to be in the Hall of Fame, then you should get into the Hall of Fame. So congratulations to Edgar Martinez in the Hall of Fame. Different question. What she was asking was, what are my simple joys? What are my simple little joys? Oh, and I think this is important. I think simple little jo- joys are very much um uh, much like we don't take mo- uh, time to be proud of ourselves. What are your little joys? When you're down and out, when you're depressed, when you need to turn off your mind. Uh, she mentioned little pets or something like that. I, I love I love, I love, a good animal. Scientifically proven, right? You pet an animal, you feel a little better. I mean, I'm with that. I like that a lot. But for me, and this is somewhat unfortunately, because it ties into other health issues, for me, it's food, but certain kinds of food. The little joys. All right, don't have too much joy when it comes to food. You can't have five days in a row, row of food joy, all right? I'm, I'm trying to keep my shape, uh, my, keep, keep in shape and keep my, my weight down, you know, along with the rest of the world. But I think it's okay to enjoy those little things you like. And for me, oh, a bowl of chips and a bowl of salsa combined into the mythical uh, snack called chips in salsa uh, uh, Chips E-salsa, I should say. Um, let me get it right. Um, oh, that's joy. There's a little salt on there. I'll even put it straight into the salsa. And the rest of the meal, I love Mexican food. I love going to Mexican food restaurants. That's, that's great, too. I love a good hamburger. I love all the unhealthy foods. But... I'll tell you what, like a, I love a plate of steak fries, with a lot of ketchup on it, but I feel bad about it the next day, and sometimes I just feel bad about it. There, um, a steak, I love a good steak. I, I try not, to, I try to cut back on red meat. I've done all, i done pretty well on that lately. Uh, no red meat at my house, but um, uh, you know, I have a steak. I in the back of my head, I enjoy it, but yeah, yeah maybe I feel bad, or maybe I think I shouldn't do that as much. Everything. chips and salsa, nope, nope, I enjoy it. I don't care if it makes me feel bad. In general, generally it doesn't. It's the food that follows. It might, uh, you know, uh, slap me upside the face. But um, I love that joy. So there are times when I am happy and I want to continue that happiness. Let's go get some Mexican food. What I really mean is, let's go sit down and have five bowls of chips and salsa. Um, I I go to a a local Mexican restaurant that when, when when we walk in, Grace and I, they know. Oh, let's get the hot salsa. Let's get the big bag of chips. They're here. Uh, and then when I'm down and out and you're stressed or you just want to get away, that's one of the things that is on my list of things. Petting dogs might be on the list too. Maybe I try to work out. I'll get, get joy after your workout, not during the workout. But I try, I try, I try. And, uh, but chips and salsa is consistent. Feeling high, feeling low, when I just want to experience some, some specific food-related joy, that's a little thing. So find your little thing. Find your little thing. Can we get into a deep philosophical discussion about chips and salsa? Yes, we can. We're not going to go into it here now, but I do appreciate that. Uh, Cole and uh, Washington, we'll see you soon for some stand-up comedy. Hey, everybody. DJ Snacks here. So, Ken, now that you're about a year removed from becoming a freelancer, how would you say your life has changed and what direction do you think that it's going to take next thanks for taking my call well uh always like taking your call dj snacks uh that is actually from our discord server uploaded that nice file there for us uh dj snacks also has an online internet-based radio station called temporal radio check it out one of these days i'll be on there uh, doing a show from time to time when life gets less busy and has less chips and salsa We are about a year removed from me losing my full-time job and dancing out here on a limb, and it has been the best year, the most challenging year, the hardest year, the most frightening year, especially, I would say, of my 20 years in L.A. now. We're now in my 21st year of living in L.A., uh, and it's been spectacular. And I thought it was a great time to look back. And I appreciate DJ uh, DJ Snacks asking that question. Didn't prompt him. Didn't plan it. Just was on uh, on my mind. And it's a lot of hard things. I want to get that. Clear. A, lot, a lot of hard things in this in this world. But uh, so I don't want to act like uh, I've you know stormed a castle and saved a kingdom by simply losing my job and surviving because it's not been great financially for me. Um, thank God credit cards are a thing that God created, or was it Satan? I don't know. Um, I'm surviving, though. I'm surviving, and I don't think I could have done that if I hadn't been kicked out of the plane and starting to find what I want to do. So this past year has been a big, growing experience and really got me to focus on creatively what I wanted to do, and I think that's something we all need. We all need... What are you out there doing? What do you want to be doing? What are you doing in your life, in your relationships, uh, your family, anything? What do you want to do? I I, I always go to Up in the Air, one of my favorite movies, when Clooney fires J.K. Simmons. And the conversation they have about why do kids idolize athletes? Uh, They date models. No, that's why we idolize athletes. No, kids idolize them because they follow their dreams. We all have that dream, right? I wanted to be a baseball, baseball player. So um, eventually con- convince the J.K. Simmons character to, you know, all right, you've lost this job, but how much did they first pay you to lose and give up on your dreams? And, you know, he has the number in his head. And that was always in the back of my head, working a day job. That was a great job and, and started to pay me well as I got promoted and I got myself in a high position position within the companies that I worked for and could have been fine and happy, could have stopped there. But in the back of my head, every time I took a promotion, I wondered, was this the amount that causes me or caused me or will have caused me to look back and say, that was it. That's where I went down this path and was forever lost. Again, the path itself, because you might be listening maybe you have a wonderful day job Maybe you sell insurance, right? That's sometimes a punchline job. Oh, what do you sell insurance? No, what if what if you sell it and you do it well and you're happy? We're not talking about that. Um, we're talking about if you didn't want to sell insurance, but 20 years later you find yourself doing it, you can look back and go, that, that, that right there was the point I stayed when I could have left. And I think what's weird for me is I left my day, day job. So I left that path and I made the big leap to taking a job, full-time job for Screen Junkies, which led to a full-time job with Collider. And then when I lost it, what I realized in that moment is those jobs, though great and fun and, and helped change my life, and don't regret them for one millisecond, had started to maybe trap me just as much as the other job that I'd hated for so long. Even though they were good and I was uh, well compensated and and surrounded and working with friends, I wasn't happy. And that was a weird feeling. So I got kicked out of the plane, landed without a parachute, splat on the ground, and I've had to pick myself back up and survive, but I feel more creatively content. I don't recommend all of you jump out of the plane. (laughs) Be careful. But... If you have a chance to do... And sometimes you don't have that chance. Sometimes it is a responsibility uh, you have to others. Uh, children, uh, spouses, partners, family, parents. You've got to make a tough choice. I've, I've known friends who've had to move home, give up their creative dreams to, to take care of their families, their parents. That's a different path. And I still think, though, you can find yourself in that. And I think there's something to that. I love those kind of stories. I think a lot of us are drawn to those. Guy, girl, loses, everything goes home. Think of my favorite TV show, Ed, in the early 2000s. One of my favorite TV shows. Tom Cavanaugh, Julie Bowen. um, Worldwide Pants Produced. Big city New York lawyer, married, whatever, comes home, finds his wife cheating on him, boom, has to go home, buys a bowling alley, becomes a lawyer and a bowling alley owner, right? This really weird chases after the girl he loved in high school who never really knew him. All right, it's it's. I don't know if that show could work now, maybe, but then it was great, and it spoke to me because there's something about that. What if I lose everything and I have to find out who I am and I have to go somewhere I didn't think? And that might be you. You might be doing something you didn't want, but you have to. And you'll find yourself in that path, too. And that's been the big thing for 2018 into early 2019, is I, I believe I found myself. Whether or not I can stick on this highway, because it's an expensive highway, so I don't know. I don't know. But I love the highway I am on now. I love doing the things. And even I'm this thing performing stand-up comedy with Mark Ellis is, is unlike... I did not plan for that. I was done. And I, I, I'm not performing traditional stand-up comedy like I used to. It's a different thing. But to get back up on a stand-up comedy stage, not something I, I, I fought against. it, And now it almost seems like I can't fight against it. This Seattle gig coming up wasn't planned. Now it is. Uh, so hopefully I can see some of you out there. But I feel better than I ever have. Because it isn't about jokes winning or jokes bombing. It's about pff, life is short and I found myself here, and I enjoy every minute of it, every struggle, every obstacle, every moment of doubt. I've had them this weekend. This weekend, I was really down and out. Um, Just trying to, what's next? It's next step. So I don't know, that's next. There's something coming up. Some of my Patreon supporters know it, because I had to let them know because of some things, but... <sighs> there's something some of you might know, but I, there's something coming up I can't wait to announce that I think will be the next phase. Not necessarily this one particular project, but I think overall it will be the next phase of my career, and I'm excited to share that with you. But that's another conversation that I hope to have very, very soon. So thanks to everyone who called in. That is awesome. I appreciate when you all do that. It is a really um, it's a really good time hearing your guys' voices and your guys' thoughts and answering and responding to what you do. So TNF Hotline is a big part of the Napsuck Files. Uh, there's been some changes on the Patreon page. We're going to do a, a show called uh, Napsuck Files Live, uh, which actually will be recorded live, not aired live. will be aired as a podcast and later as a video on my YouTube page. But... It's going to have a chat room uh, for those who are Patreon supporters and t- get to interact. That's going to be something simple uh, or something uh, wonderful. Simple and direct is what I'm trying to say. And and uh, looking forward to that. But it doesn't change the TNF hotline. I still want to hear you guys on my show. And eventually we'll, maybe we might do some live calls. Stand by for that. So, before we get out of here, I want to thank my executive producer supporters. It is uh, DJ Snacks, David Ham, Thomas Risling, Lethal Logan X, Matthew Simon, Bedore, Matthew Maroney, Matthew Thompson, Taymore, and his brother Abdul, Nikki Baldwin, Donalong, and Nathan Ovendale. Those are my executive producer supporters on Patreon. You can visit me at patreon.com slash KenNapsock if you want to support. Uh, but as uh, you can also do that on Anchor 2 directly if you want to do that. But the best way to support, as I always say, is to listen and spread the word and be part of the fun here in the community that's growing around the Napsock Files. And that cannot be done without... You all. Don't forget, Casterly Talk is out there. New episodes are coming. The Motivations with Ken videos on YouTube. You can follow me at Ken napsuck for all that information. You know how, uh, how the internet works. You, f- you can figure it out by now. So with that, we'll see you next time on a TNF hotline.